0: I just love orchestrating people's attention when they first walk into a room where do they put their eyes? what are they listening to what is the atmosphere that we're creating is this, is it a soft safe environment or is it a loud energy energetic environment is it an environment where people can feel safe t- for them to be themselves or is it an environment where we, um, where we enlarge people's capacity, is an environment where we, we we stir up people's comfort zone. You know, what is the environment that we are creating?
1: Helping CEOs and business leaders discover the energy to perform exceptional brilliance and positively impact the lives of those around them. Be inspired by world leaders and next level gurus. This is the active CEO podcast, where the ordinary don't belong. And now your hosts, Craig Johns and Ben gather Cole.
2: On this episode of the active CEO podcast, we're in for a real special treat. As we get up close and personal with an incredible couple with most beautiful souls who are passionate about transforming leaders to become influential speakers. Through adversity, they found opportunity and made decisions that have led to making remarkable impacts on so many people's lives. As co-founders and leaders of the Speakers Institute and the Speakers Tribe, they harness their very different personalities and unique strengths to not only beautifully complement each other, but also to provide a more well-rounded leadership approach. She has spent more than a decade in the personal development space, unearthing many hidden talents in a lot of people. Unlocking people's superpowers and guiding them to live their why through understanding and harnessing their strengths fuels her inner passion as a renowned certified Gallup Clifton strength coach. He has transformed into a thought leader in peak performance. As a best-selling author, speaker, CEO, and award-winning educator, after a horrific accident in October 2006 that changed his life forever. The 2009 Young Australian of the Year and 2013 Edupreneur of the Year has two international best-selling books, Bounce Forward and Storytelling, which are changing the game for many people around the world from all walks of life. I'm honoured to have the privilege to present to you two amazing parents of three wonderful children who are making a profound difference in the world, one person at a time. It's time to buckle up as we go to a whole nother level with Kate and Sam Cawthorn. Kate and Sam, welcome to the show. (laughs)
3: Wow, that was an amazing
2: intro. I don't know how we can match up to that, (laughs) Great. Okay, let's start with you and go back in time a little bit. What inspired you as a child and what did you dream of becoming?
3: Very good, um, very simple question for me. I wanted to be a mum, that was it. So all through my school years and growing up and kids are saying, what do you wanna be when you grow up? And then through high school and picking careers and choosing subject pathways, I was just thinking, well, I just wanna be a mum. I just wanna have kids and um, and raise a family and that's that's what I wanna do. Beautiful. Mm.
2: Sam, so you grew up in a family of 11 children yes you heard that right that's 11 children with a Scottish father and an Indian mother
0: I bet there was a lot of jostling for attention in your household (laughs) yeah absolutely because there were seven boys and four girls and I'm number nine in the order and uh, obviously being one of the youngest um, absolutely if you wanted to get attention uh, even all the way through to even if you wanted to eat we needed to fight for that attention. We we needed to eat fast if we wanted to be fed, and so yeah, it was a family farm, uh, two hours out of Hobart in Tasmania, which is uh, which is where I grew up. So very humble beginnings, absolutely.
2: Yeah, wow, it's a quite uh, contrasting starts there for <laughs> both of you. So let's fast forward a few years to two thousand and six. You were, you were both happily married, living in Tasmania, Australia. Sam, you were the youth futurist for the Australian Federal Government and you had two wonderful children.
0: What happened that day while you are driving in October? Mm. So yeah so I've actually been quite uneducated in a traditional sense so I didn't go through college or certainly haven't studied at university but I did manage to get a, a great government job uh, with the Australian Federal Government as a youth futurist. Um, and it was mainly because there was, there's always been something deep within that says that there is more. So even if I didn't have that traditional education, I always knew that, you know, that there was something bigger and greater in my life. And so at the time I was trying to see what that bigger and greater thing was. And so I had a lot of things that I was juggling. I had a full-time job. I was also doing a lot of extracurricular activities such as um, I was a youth pastor for a local church. Plus also on top of that, I did a lot of adult education courses where I was the trainer, the facilitator. On top of that, I did some coaching and some mentoring for um, actually as a classically trained singer. So I was juggling so many things up in the air and something had to give. And in the job, it required me to do a lot of kilometers. And so I was traveling a lot. And yes, there was still a lot where you can drive in Tasmania. And it was around three o'clock in the afternoon. um, And it was my fault. I fell asleep at the wheel. I veered over the other side of the road and on the major highway, major freeway there in Tasmania. Uh, Yeah, I, I fell asleep. And I was going around 100 kilometres an hour and a semi-trailer truck, which was coming in the opposite direction, was also going around 100 k's an hour. And I was told that it was a 206 kilometre head-on collision with a semi-trailer truck. Um, I was pronounced dead at the scene, uh, obviously resuscitated, (laughs) because i am talking to you right now. But then I was on life support for a week, in hospital for five months, and then in a wheelchair for an entire year. Uh, doctor said I'll never be able to walk ever again. So it was certainly a, um, you know, we we talk about life-defining moments. Uh, you could say that was quite a significant one,
2: very significant. So you know, I cannot f- fathom really what it would have been like for you, Kate. Mm. You know, to receive that call that Sam was in an accident. How did you sort of? I suppose, you know, personally cope in that situation on that day?
3: Mm. Well, uh, so I'd spent the day with a friend. So I had been out visiting um, with my friend. We'd had the kids at the park um, and about, it would have been about 3.30, I think it was. So this would have been after the accident had already happened. Um, I looked at my watch and thought, well, I better get going home and think about what to get ready for dinner. So I got the kids in the car, drove home. um, And just as I pulled up in the driveway, I got one of the, the girls had both fallen asleep in the back of the car. I got one out and carried her inside and put her on the couch. And I was just heading out to get the baby, Ebony, who was 14 months old uh, when the phone started ringing. So then I picked up the phone and that was the police letting me know about the accident. Um, And so I was, well, obviously shocked not knowing what what was happening. I, I, know he, I knew he'd had an accident, but Sam's had a few little accidents before, you know, a little couple of prangs here and there. He's so pretty
2: adventurous.
3: Yeah, he's quite adventurous. So at that point, I wasn't sure. I thought, okay, the police are calling me, so he's probably written off the car. Um, I've got to come pick him up. Um, so I, at that point, I was still calm. And in, the, in most instances, I will stay calm until I've got reason to be otherwise that's just how I'm wired so I was still quite calm until the police officer was saying he's at in on his way to hospital he's got major head and chest injuries Um, and so then they were saying you need to call the hospital um, and then get yourself over there so then I started to worry a bit more then and then got off the phone, called the hospital. He was just arriving by ambulance while I was on the phone to the nurse. So she didn't even put me on hold. She just held the phone against her chest and I could hear all of the all of the commotion going on there. Um, at the same time, I'm trying to get the baby out of the car and, and figure out what to do next. But I guess from, from that moment, The way I coped was only just one minute at a time because there was no other option. Um, I didn't know what was gonna happen. Um, I didn't know, I didn't want to think too far in advance and I'm not the kind of person that does that either. So um, if I, for me, if I had have tried to think ahead, all the what ifs and all of that sort of thing, I I wouldn't have been able to cope with it. I just had to deal with the kids, get somebody to come and look after them, get to the hospital. Take care of Sam while he was in a coma um, for a week afterwards, and then and then just deal with one day at a time until there was any chance of looking ahead to see what the future might hold.
2: Yeah, wow. it's a very very tough and challenging time for anyone that, that's faced with that kind of trauma, and and especially when it's your your husband, right? Mm-hmm. And you're not sure how they are going to come out of the coma at that point. And you know, obviously, do you want to give it just a, a quick overview of what? What well, kind of resulted after that, Sam? And, uh, well, I was in a
0: coma, so <laughs> you just had a good sleep. For uh, a yeah, while. I just had a bit. <laughs> I just had a bit of rest. You know, there's probably too much going on. Look, um, I actually, uh, when when I woke up from a coma, I w- f- at first I was in denial. I'm thinking this hasn't happened to me. I haven't really had a car accident. I'm going to wake up from this nightmare. But then realizing what had happened, um, it was a quite a traumatic experience. And, you know, I suppose I went through all of the emotions but quite fast, you know, it didn't take months. For me, it really only took a couple of days for me to go through all the emotions. And and, and it was everything from anger, to disappointment, to sadness, um, it was to frustration, to the unknown, uncertainty, um, didn't know, uh, you know, what's next. because in most cases I've been uniquely wired as a futurist and so basically what that means is I'm always thinking about what's next I'm always thinking about the future and so I I think one of the most traumatic experiences for me was to was thinking about the future of my kids thinking that they're now going to have to grow up with a disabled father how can I lift up my kids with both arms yeah, so so for me, that was the that was the biggest thing that I was really thinking about at the time, because um, I, I, I knew that I could I knew that I could you know um, continue to work. I knew that I could uh, you know it was it, I suppose it was a good thing that even though the the doctors or let's say the police guy initially said that there was major head head injuries, there wasn't really any head injuries at all. It was more of a physical injuries so for those people obviously that are listening the injuries that i did sustain was a amputated right arm and that was my most dominant arm and that's above the elbow so i've only got now one arm which is obviously my left arm i also had some major injuries to the right side of my body um, and it was everything from internally from my lungs collapsing broken ribs um, uh, uh, lacerated liver puncture kidney and also uh, my entire right leg was completely pretty much so shattered um, I lost my quad uh, my kneecap was literally ripped out my uh, my femur my fibula my um, ankle all shattered as well and you know it's quite interesting my my um Doctors initially, they didn't know if they could save the leg. Um, one doctor said, let's amputate it. The other doctor said, let's save it. They decided to save it. And so unfortunately now my right leg doesn't bend at all. So it's completely stiff, so it's fused. And um, and so I'm six foot three and my right leg doesn't bend at all. So yeah, the, sitting in a car, in a theater, in a plane is difficult to say the least. Never be able to ride a bike or or you know go for a jog or or, or the like. So even right now during this interview, I've got, a, I've got a second chair which I'm resting my leg on because it's hard even for me to sit mm. in the chair.
2: So for many people that
0: would have
2: been the moment where they gave up. But for you Sam, it galvanized something really deep inside of you that was much bigger than yourself. Um, how did you approach that adversity that just unfolded and then when did you realize what your why was or your <laughs> purpose for moving forward?
0: Yeah, look, they say that our why and our purpose is derived from a crisis moment because I think sometimes crisis does create opportunity. And for me, it was quite true because uh, before my accident, you know, I was doing so many different things, you know, from uh, youth pastor through to the extracurricular activities with adult through to a little bit of singing. Uh, Than a full-time job, but also, uh, you know, I even had aspirations to want to be a speaker up on mm-hmm. stage, and so I was t- juggling so many things. and And there's a there's a terminology which is called a polymath, which basically means a jack of all trades, and that's what I was trying to be. But I now believe that there's really no such thing as you know being a polymath. You focus on one thing, you do it really well, then you can become a real master at it. So after my car accident, my entire rehabilitation team, they tried to get me back to that same job, but something had changed, right? Not only physically, but emotionally, mentally, spiritually, etc. And so I was no longer focused to be that person that I used to be. And the funniest thing is, and I don't say this much, Craig, um, before my car accident, I was trying to be a speaker. And, uh one of my mates you know so i showed him like my idea etc etc and he actually said to me he said sam it's you know you you, uh, you haven't quite got it right you haven't got the formula i think you need a big story <laughs> <laughs> true story maybe it's a subconscious thing the, the car accident you know <gasps> so now i had the story right and so it it's was one of very... the
3: first things he said when he woke up too. Now I've got something to talk about. <laughs> now <I'm> talking, yeah. <laughs>
0: so I started. Um, so I just started to share my story in a local youth group and then in some schools, and it was very organic. Actually, how I started out to be a professional speaker. Exactly a year after my car accident, I picked myself up out of my wheelchair. It was at the same time when I left, left my full time job and I started to be you know, really the first step to be an entrepreneur or a solopreneur really, what we call it. Um, and as a solopreneur, I was now getting paid to share my story. Um, and that initially it was just in schools. And for those people that really want to learn how to master people's attention, like a one-to-many type environment, the, the greatest training ground is to go into your local school Because if you think about it, you've got a bunch of year seven, year eight year olds, like a bunch of 13, 15 year olds. And if you can't keep their attention span, or let's say if you can keep their attention span for a one hour period of time, you can keep anyone's attention span. It's the greatest training ground. Another good training ground is go and register yourself at your local comedy club as well. (laughs) But this is where you learn. You learn on the job. And so that's where I learned. Uh, and so I did uh, I did four or five years of full time youth speaking. And I was flown all around the country, all around Australia, even some some cases overseas as well. And I was just doing school after school after school, a youth conference or a youth thing or whatever. And I was one of the top tier, most busy um, youth speakers in the country. And that certainly gave me a real depth I'll experience and gave me my 10,000 hours in a way of, um, of being up on stage in front of young people and it was very organic then I moved into corporate and then uh, and then um, and then I wanted to then train other people and how to do it as well
2: exciting and we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit mm-hmm. later on so for you Kate was this about the time that you began to delve into that personal development that space and your own career
3: uh, not. For a little while, probably um, just after, or during the time that Sam was was starting out his speaking career in uh, speaking to the the kids and things in high schools, I was still very much with our own children. So we'd had another child since the accident as well, the little boy Jacob, um, and he was born uh, just under two years after the accident. So. Um, I've spent a lot of time with the, the three kids then. So Sam's speaking career coincided with um, preschool and kindergarten and all those sorts of things happening. Um, so it was after that, so after we sort of launched into um, more of the, the, Sam was more in the corporate speaking space um, and we started thinking about training people one-on-one within professional and personal development that we got interested in strengths um, through a, a connection that Sam had, so it was very uh, a random way of having an introduction into strengths, um, which I'll let him talk about later, but um, that sort of really piqued an interest in me, um, and because also, I'd, as I said earlier, I'd always wanted to be a mum, but now I was, and I had these three little children who are now going on their own path and deciding what what they're going to be when they grow up, and that gave me the freedom to then think, okay, what's next for me? So, so what am I going to do now? Um, and so, each time I was introduced into the the strength space, um, it piqued my interest a little further. So, uh, eventually, I started looking at that as a career path and and where that would take me.
2: Excellent, and. So, with that, you know, that Gallup Strength Finder, do you want to explain mm. that to uh, our listeners for those who don't know what it's about and, and why that you've really connected and bonded with that? And that's kind of you know, really a real big part of what yeah. you do now.
3: Yeah. So, the Clifton Strength Finder assessment is a personality profiling tool. It's very, um, very much like a lot of other personality profiling tools out there. So, there's DISC, Myers Briggs, um, a very, very long list of, of different tools that you can access. Um, The reason that I'm so passionate about this one in particular is because for a lot of the other profiling tools, you'll get your results back and you'll be given, um, you know, like say for DISC, for example, I'm a high SC. I know that. Um, I don't know what that really means. (laughs) But I know that there are a lot of other high SCs around the world. But I I've met a couple of them and we're very different people. So to me, that doesn't doesn't really help me to understand myself on a much deeper level. Um, Myers-Briggs as well, I've been put in in a quadrant with a quarter of the other people on the planet as well. But the thing that's different with Gallup is that you get your top five strengths when you first take the assessment or you can unlock and do your full 34. But when you get your first top five strengths, the chances of you having the same top five in the same order as somebody else is one in 33 million. So it's very, very unique. And uh, even even just reading that report for the first time and understanding what those five words are, it's a real aha moment for people. And I've heard some amazing stories. Um, one of our clients is actually a psychologist and she had a client who um, was a young guy who was suffering from depression and it was having suicidal thoughts. And she, after taking the assessment and going through our program, uh, decided to get all of her clients to take the assessment as well. And she ta- she came and told me about this young guy. So after he'd taken his assessment and gotten his results back, he came into his office into her office and smiled for the first time that she's ever seen since she's been working with him. And she couldn't understand, you know, what this big change was and he'd said that he'd never known that he was good at anything and he didn't know that he had any kinds of gifts and talents. So just getting that result back and knowing that these five things were things that he was good at was enough to actually make a big difference in his life. So that's that's one of the reasons, there's many, but um, yeah, it's obviously something that I'm very passionate about. Wow.
0: The,
2: the whole clarity aspect, mm. right?
3: Mm.
2: So, so there was a story behind this Gallup Strength Finder Sam. and it,
0: it, <laughs> Yeah, so it was around 11 years ago, I was sitting in a cafe and I was actually writing one of my books. And this was in Launceston in Tasmania, which is where we were living. And um, and there was really no one else at the cafe, but I did notice though, someone sitting over the other side of the cafe. And very slowly he stood up and he walked towards me. And I just sort of saw this out of the peripherals of my eye. And you know, whenever someone's sort of walking over to you and you're thinking, nah, look, I don't want them to talk to me, just leave me alone. And so I'm thinking, I said, don't come over, thinking in my head, right, don't come over. And so clearly he came over. And then he, and then I'm thinking, don't sit down. And he then obviously sat down. And so then he took my attention and he said, um, look, I don't, um, you don't know who I am, but I do know who you are. Um, I just thought that you might be interested in this. And so he handed me a book and the book was called um, Strengths 2.0, um, written by Tom Rath. And, uh, and, he, and he told me at the back of the book, there's a rip apart section, you can um, go online and you can do an assessment with, to, to identify your strengths. And so he then thanked me for my time and walked off and he just left this book with me. And I'm thinking that was so weird, right? Just a totally out of the middle of nowhere. So I took the book and, and like, like all books, with, uh, which a lot mm-hmm. of people do have, they put their books on their bedside table and they don't do anything at all about it and then a couple of weeks went past and then someone else said something about this book as well and, I'm th- and they said this assessment changed their life. I'm thinking, wow, I actually do have that book, it's on my bedside table, maybe <laughs> I should do it. And so it wasn't really until two or three weeks later after someone gave it to me, which is when I then ripped it apart, did the assessment and for me it was a game changer. You know, there are certain things in my life that I was frustrated with and I didn't understand why. Things that I was procrastinating about and I didn't really know why. But there was other things where when I was doing it, it just, you know, it just ignited my world. I just felt excited and passionate about it. And that was mainly because I was operating in those certain elements that I was excited, passionate about within my strengths, within my core giftings. Now, most people sort of know what their strengths are, but one thing that this assessment does is really um, narrow in on your top five core strengths. It puts a terminology to that, which is a word. and then it also then unpacks that for you as well. And for me, it was a game changer. I then disassociated myself from the things that didn't really stimulate or motivate me and I outsourced that. And I only focus on the things that I was really good at, which is with, which was you know um, within my top five core strengths. And suddenly I saw our business, and also my focus completely skyrocketed. Why? Because I was just focusing on my gifts and my talents and I outsourced everything else. And for me, yeah, it was certainly, was a game changer. And it wasn't until, I don't know how how long after you did it. I think it might've been a couple of years even, because again, this was 11 years ago. And then Kate then did it. Uh, And then I suppose the rest was history. She then fell in love with it. Then that was her thing. Is that a fair call?
3: Fair call. <laughs> <laughs>
0: do you mind sharing
2: what your top five strengths are? Of
3: course. Are? Mine are Empathy, Harmony, Adaptability, Developer and Intellection.
0: And Sam And mine. <laughs> um, I, I probably will get mine in the wrong order, but my number one certainly is Futuristic, so I'm a Futurist at heart. Uh, I then have Focus. Activator. I then have Activator. I then have Significance, and I also do have... Command. Command. So very, very different
2: strengths there. Very Opposites different. attract. <laughs> and so how do they complement each other?
3: Oh. <laughs> yeah, how do they complement each other? Well, um, we are very different, but we I need things that he has and vice versa. So, um, you know, if we go back Do you really? Yeah, sometimes, sometimes. Um,
0: Husband and wife business owners owners guys, trust me, I probably wouldn't recommend it. (laughs) Um, In all all seriousness, it's
3: great. Um, So if we go back to the story of Sam's accident and the different ways in that we looked at it. So for me, um, as I said, getting through that, I had to look at one moment at a time. So that's my adaptability strength. So just taking each day as it comes and each crisis that was presented to me, I would deal with that and not looking forward to what might be coming next because that would have derailed me. So that was adaptability helping me to work within the moment and go with the flow of what's happening. Um, and as Sam was saying, he was constantly looking forward, he's a futurist, that's what he did before the accident and he was co- he constantly and even through his recovery as well is looking forward to. Um, being able to walk again, being able to stand up, not listening to what the doctors were saying, all those sorts of things. So our strength, just those two, really helped us through that, that situation. And they've helped us through so many other situations since. Um, but we do rely on each other a lot for their leaning on for the strengths that we, we lack. So for example, um, sometimes I do need to look ahead and I will need Sam's help with that Um, because futuristic for me is somewhere really, really far down on my list of strengths. Um,
0: Is it? Do you know what number it is?
3: No, it doesn't matter because it's too far down. (laughs) Um, Activator. Activator as well. Sometimes I need help getting things started because Intellection is my number five strength, which means I spend a lot of time thinking very deeply about things and I'll think about the way things work and how we can improve and all those sorts of things but sometimes I just need to actually do something. So, (laughs) Activator helps um, with that as well. And I'm sure that there are times that my strength might support Sam also. (laughs) Yeah, so just to
0: give give listeners some context, there are 34 themes all up, and so these are 34 words, and each person has five, uh, and these are your five dominant uh, strengths. And so there's 34 of them all together, and then Um, And if you do work directly with a certified Gallup Strengths Coach, they can then unlock those 34 for you and then obviously coach coach you specifically on your dominant strengths. And also, let's say your lesser strengths. Some people call them weaknesses.
3: No, nobody does that. (laughs) (laughs) So
0: knowing Sam is a very determined,
2: passionate and very focused individual, are there times where you, Kate, have to pull the handbrake on?
3: Um, Yes, there have been times. (laughs) Every day. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I'm constantly pulling on the handbrake. Whether or not the handbrake engages is another story. I think I would like to see myself as very grounded um, and with that that thinking strength of mine at number five as well, I will... um, look at the pros and cons of things, whereas I think Sam is very much just so so positive about everything and looking forward to um, this new opportunity or this new venture that we can start. And and I think, yeah, great, not yet. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Let's finish this first and um, let's make sure that we're doing the very best in this area before we branch off into something new. So I I feel like I'm probably pulling on the handbrake a little too much sometimes. But I think that that sort of aids in our balance as well.
2: So in 2010 you moved to Sydney and a few years later in 2013 you both co-founded Speakers Institute and obviously around that time is probably the first time you really came together and were working I suppose full time
0: with each other. So what was the catalyst to starting the Speakers Institute? Wait, Wait a second, just on that last line. We have we have pretty much been working very uh, very closely together as me being a professional speaker, because Kate um, you know really was my support for my professional speaking. So she did all the back end from client liaising, through to um, you know uh, invoicing, <laughs> uh, flights, accommodation, et cetera. So yeah, Kate and I have been working together very very closely in business for 13 years. So probably yeah. in the same office because you would have been flying around the world <laughs> while she was sitting here working, busy. Yeah, yeah so so the, so, the reason why we started Speakers Institute, it was on the back of one of our busiest ever months, which was 56 flights in one month. It was just insane. And... Um, And Kate said, look, enough is enough. We've got three kids and we can't continue to do this. And around the same time, I was teaching other people how to do it, just a couple of other people. And these people then were going on to becoming, you know, top tier speakers. And people then used to go to them and say, how did you do it? And they said, I learned through Sam. So suddenly now um, my phone started to ring of people that were really interested in how to be a speaker. So around the same time, uh, I was doing some stuff with Google, and so we des- decided to put on an event at Google headquarters for um, you know just a, like a public event for people to, to come in for a day to come and learn how to be a speaker. We had three hundred people oh. at that very first event, um, and so we so clearly there we realised that there was a market for it. So we decided then to build a solid curriculum. Um, and so mm-hmm. this curriculum involved uh, everything from a free event through to a three-day boot camp through to a 12-month program, uh, now 18 months, and it was very organic really how it started, uh, yet at the same time it came from the heart of that I knew that in order for me to make a bigger difference in the world, it's not just about me being up on stage it's about us helping other people to get their message their voice their story out there in the marketplace as well so nowadays I get more excited when I see our students get on a big stage of the world rather than myself so that certainly was um, you know the uh, the incubator of how we really started and so yeah then it was very organic then how we've then grown from there now we have a We have a B2C arm, which is obviously our public arm, which is us training other speakers. Then we have a B2B arm, where our top-tier facilitators goes into big organisations such as IBM or Canon, and we do workshops in there. Plus also we have an NFP arm, non-for-profit arm, which is our speaker's tribe, which is basically um, a a tribe of um, influencers that come together every month in various cities all throughout the world, you know, we've now got speakers. We've now got close to twenty different speakers' tribes happening every single month, where we've got twenty to fifty people every month all gathering all together in ver- various cities, and so the um, the the vastness and the significance of our reach is um is fast becoming quite influential in the global space. So, talking about influence and as
2: a speaker you know obviously words or or the content we speak is is such a small part about how we communicate so what are the the real key aspects of being a great speaker from an influence point of view and, and the way it's delivered
3: um i think one of the most important things before you even figure out what the words are that you're going to say is again from a strengths perspective to knowing who you are as an individual and what really matters the most to you because if you're just if you want to be a speaker and you go and look at all of the topics that people are speaking about or what are the needs in the marketplace and you just pick one and start speaking on it it's not going to land for people as well as it would if it's something that really comes from your heart and the only way to figure that out is to find out what drives you what are you passionate about first of all uh, and then work from that space so um There are a lot of people out there that have, um, you know, chosen to talk about things that are, you know, hot topics at the moment or or things that are, whatever, trending on Twitter. You know, let's just choose one of those and and go for it. But um, people can really see through that. If it's not something that you're genuinely passionate about, then you don't come across as genuine at all and people will quickly switch off. So I think the most important thing to start with is to understand who you are as an individual and what really drives you, and then think about what message could you bring to the world through your own personal experience and with your own insight that can really make an impact and make a difference for others.
2: Okay, so let's uh, deconstruct, let's deconstruct your speaking, Sam. So you had an international bestseller with Bounce Forward and that became your keynote speaker around that time. How did you pull that together?
0: Where did the idea come from and then how did you construct that speech? Yeah, so I'll give all listeners out there an actual formula and it's in my latest book which is called Story Showing. And it's called Toggle. And basically what Toggle is, and for those people listening, write this down if you can. Toggle works on a three-part formula. So the first part is share your story. The second part is tell your content. And the third part is show the with them. What's with them? What's in it for me? And so this three part formula was pretty much so where um, I first started. So share my story. My story was my car accident. Tell my content the content that I developed which was called Bounce Forward so I could then teach other people that through their tough times, through their crisis, it's not about bouncing back from that, it's more about bouncing forward. So I developed some content all around bouncing forward. And then the third part is share the with, with them. So I then made Bounce Forward relevant to the listeners, whether their listener was Commonwealth Bank, whether the listener was BMW, whether the listener was an individual, um, you know, um, parents or, or, or teachers or nurses or doctors, I, I made the content relevant to the listener. And so in most cases, that was the birthing place of how I started my international speaking business. From sharing a story, telling the listener, what I learned in that experience, and then showing the listener why that's relevant to them. I've made it sound really easy, haven't I? It's very simple, very powerful. <laughs> mm, it's
2: great. So from that looking at, you know, your speakers institute, how does the leadership work? How do you coexist how in leadership coexist? roles? <laughs> come on <laughs> come on look we
0: we, we now have it we now have a team of close to 70 people in five countries and so clearly we're doing something right uh, basically we have a we have an advisory board and so my advisors are, some of them are ex students but these advisors are like a top-tier business people or top-tier um, you know experts in their field you know such as the co the the post-CEO of Gloria Jeans, you know, had over 40,000 staff. So he's actually on my advisory board, CEO of Alzheimer's Australia. She's on my, and these are both ex-students of ours. And so we have advisors, which um, I connect with regularly. And then we have a leadership team, which consists of myself, um, Kate, uh, our general manager who's Josh Hallam, and also our um, global programs director at the moment, um, who is Jody Spiteri James. So that's our leadership team and our leaders obviously oversee then our managers. And so then we have a number of managers in various locations. So the main locations that we do work with is here in Australia, India and Singapore. However, we do have, um, we do have uh, students really all around the world through our online programs. And so, yeah, I suppose like, any, like anything at all, um, everything rises and falls on leadership, what I've found. And so the health of myself will then determine the health of the leadership team, the management team, uh, our staff, the culture, all the way through to the client as well. So I've got to constantly you know, check in with myself because everything rises and falls on leadership. And so if, everything, if anything goes wrong, it is 100% my fault. If things go right, then it's also my fault as well. However, one of the greatest leadership lessons I've learned in the last year is that every, if everything goes wrong, I take full responsibility. If anything goes wrong, I will take on that full responsibility. However, when things go right, I'll give away all the praise. So I'll always find ways where I can acknowledge, where I can thank, where I can honour uh, our team or whatever it might be. So that's the biggest leadership lesson that I've learned in the last uh, few months. The selfless CEO. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I think um, that last part as well is another big thing that's helped us as a team. So when acknowledging our team members, um, in the in a small business that's had rapid growth, it, it comes with a lot of stress and a lot of pressure. Um, sometimes it's been... Just downright scary. Other times it's been great. <laughs> um, so, but with that, we've just made sure that our team stays really close. So we have team days. You know, we'll take them out on boats Twice on the a harbour. Year. Yeah, we'll go to an escape room. Like we'll just do something really fun to just um, join ourselves together as a team. So, and while that's happening here in Australia, our team in the Philippines are doing it at the same time. So you know, we really try to to make that a, a whole team thing. Um, because that really helps us when times get tough to you know we've got a team with us we're friends we actually like each other as well um sam and i we're best friends so you know yeah we're married (laughs) (laughs) we're married and we have been for 20 years this year and it's a long time and yeah so thanks Mm -hmm. um so you know sometimes it's 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 hard to blend those lines together, but knowing that we're all on the same team, that we're all passionate about um, the growth of this organization and the growth of people that are involved, um, it really helps with that. So I think, yeah, just blending yourselves together as a team and making sure that you're all on the same page is, is really important.
2: So obviously living a very busy life, how do you recharge the batteries and refuel a tank and make sure that when you come into Netflix <laughs> <laughs> no, when you come into work with your team or you're leading a Speakers Institute program or going to the tribe that you make sure that you you come with the energy, that you bring the energy and that you're on top of your A game every day
0: Who wants to go first?
2: I'll
3: go first because you might talk for longer <laughs> <laughs> um, i I. I really like my alone time. So, you know, just this morning I came in on the ferry, which is really nice because I'm on the water. I love water Um, and just being by myself and allowing myself time to think through whatever I need to think through before I get here. And that's at the start of the day, but also at the end of the day. So a lot of the time, and this is where it works well, the balance between the both of us. If Sam's traveling, I love to just be at home thinking, about things so when the kids go to bed um, then I'll just have all of that time to to process what's happened during the day um, and to make sure that I've I've had that that's my recharge time just that thinking space I don't watch much TV um, when I'm alone I don't I do read quite a bit um, but just having that time to, to think things through really helps me to to make sure I'm in the right space for the next time I see people
0: so, mm. Um, one of my mates, one of my speaking buddies, his name is Dr. Adam Fraser, and he talks about having a third space. And what a third space is something that is outside of home, something that is outside of work, something that you do just for you to recharge your tank. Because obviously we all, you know, we all operate from a tank, and sometimes that tank is overflowing, uh, sometimes that tank is quite empty. And so yeah, I I, I like going to the movies, uh, go by myself. No one all around. Have my ice creams <laughs> in the middle and just switch off for a couple of hours. But yeah, so my, my third space also, you know, I love travelling. And I do love travelling. And I travel a lot. And I travel well. Uh, I only travel business. And I do, uh, I do a lot of international trips. I do a lot of um, um, local trips. And so, you know, through that travel, I'll put on my AirPods and I'll listen to music or, um, or I listen to a podcast or whatever it is but I always want to make sure that when I show up in a room, whether it's with my team, even if it's with, when it's with my kids, when it's with my staff, when it's with our clients, our customers, that they get the best of me, that I'm, that I'm ready, I'm on. Uh, when I walk into that room, I want to make sure that, I, that the atmosphere is shifted, and, um, and, and we orchestrate an environment and an energy that people want to be a part of, that they want, to do whatever they can to be in that proximity. You know, one word I talk a lot about is proximity is power. And when we hang around with people um, that can spur us on, that can, that can uh, help us go from where we are today to where we w- really wanna be, uh, we are willing to do whatever it takes to be in that proximity because as we all know, we are the average of our five closest friends, the company that we keep determine who we are. And so I constantly find ways how we can create environments for people to upgrade their proximity and to learn and grow from each other.
2: So I love that, you know, being present where you are and showing Mm. up is really important. And I know Sam, you, you really like that whole attention aspect and. Can you explain
0: a bit more about why that fascinates you so much at the moment? <laughs> yeah, absolutely, and, and Craig was asking me earlier on, and I love that question, Craig. He, um, and the question was, Sam, if is there, is there is a topic, because I get interviewed a lot, and he said, if there's a topic that people don't regularly ask you about but you're really, really passionate about, what is that? And I said, and it took me a while to answer it, but yeah, it is, I just love orchestrating people's attention. When they first walk into a room, where do they put their eyes? What are they listening to? What is the atmosphere that we're creating? Is 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 it a soft, safe environment, or is it a loud, energy, energetic environment? Is it an environment where people can feel safe for them to be themselves, or is it an environment where we um, where we enlarge people's capacity? Is it an environment where. We, we, we stir up people's comfort zone. You know, what is the environment that we are creating whenever, pe- whenever anyone walks into one of our experiences? Because we run events, like we, we do up to 50 events every month, um, and some of these events, you know, you might see a couple of hundred people there. And so we're constantly creating these amazing experiences for people when they first walk in, you know? And where are they putting their eyes? Where are they putting their attention? And if we can orchestrate that, like just earlier on this morning, I was here at 8am and I was talking to our business development manager and he's creating a breakfast. And I said to him, you know, when they first walk in the room, what are they gonna see on the screens? What are they gonna see on the walls? What's the music that's gonna be playing? What's the facial expression that they're gonna be greeted with? What is the lanyard that they're gonna be putting on? What is um, wh- what is the chair that they're going to be sitting in? Um, how easy is it for them to feel comfortable yet invigorated in that experience? And you know and the event isn't isn't until another you know four or five weeks away, but we're already thinking about this now. And I think um, if we can create outsa- outstanding experiences for people, then they're going to want to come back in. They're going to want to, be involved. They, they, they're going to take out their wallet and they're going to spend money. Why? Because they love being in that environment, in that proximity. And so creating those experiences for me is, um, is just gold. I, I love um, creating that experiences for people. So we all know smart people have great
2: answers, <laughs> but the best people ask great questions. So when was the last time you did something for the first time?
3: um just this week gone we <laughs> went up to the sunshine coast and i rode a horse along the beach for an hour which was great um i would not say i'm an accomplished horse <laughs> rider <runner. laughs> but it was a lot of fun so yeah that was the last time
0: Sam, oh look i'd love to do more of the things that i do i'd love to jump out of an airplane um mm-hmm. You know, uh, and also I want to I want to create like a bucket list for all of my kids as well, so we can all do their uh, bucket list. But yeah, look at the moment I'm getting right into full driving, and so um, the last couple of months I've been bogged twice, (laughs) and um, mate, that's an experience. It's so much fun. Like the last time, get this ready. The last time we, sorry, not the last time, the time before the first time we got bogged, we were two hours away from any town it was 5 it was around 5:30 p.m. in the afternoon so it was just starting to get dark the rain started coming down and um and so we were just going to get bogged more and i also had my entire family in the car beautiful and we're 2 hours away from, 2 hours drive away from any town or anything at all like that and then on top of that we're off road which then meant way
3: off, way road. off road which then <laughs> meant
0: that there's no nrma there's no rides, roadside assistance or anything at all like that and mate that's an experience that my kids will never ever forget and you know looking back at that <laughs> i'm just thinking the adrenaline yet the excitement and I, i've already, i've even got a photo here of me and my son you know we've got these massive big smiles on our faces and where were the girls? the rain's coming down and we uh, said we sent, we sent Kate and the two other girls off to a camping site, which is about four kilometres down the road. It's a two-hour trek because of
3: how in the bush we were. <laughs> but, you know, look,
0: this type of stuff, mate, oh, I just think it's awesome. And we'll get bogged again and we'll, we'll have the adrenaline, etc. But, yeah, just, just make sure we're kept alive. What's the one question you would love to solve? So, so for me, one thing I just love at the moment is story. My latest book is called "Story," showing how to stand out from the storytellers. And one thing I'd love to solve is um, is uh, why why do why do so many people think that their story is not good enough? Why do so many people think that they're, that they're not worthy to share their story that or they have a boring story? Why do so many people think that, you know, that there's no value in their story or that their voice doesn't matter? And so one thing I'd love to solve is giving people a voice and making them think that their story does matter. And I'm so passionate about it. Um, And I just love seeing people come along to our experiences and they actually have an aha moment. And their aha moment is, oh my goodness, I've realised that my story matters, that there is value in my story, that my experiences can actually form my message and my voice in this world. And so there's no more excitement that I get when I see people have that aha moment. So that's certainly something I'd love to solve in the world. The beauty of transformation. Yeah.
3: For me, I think it's probably... um... I see people all the time struggling with how do I get better at doing what I need to do? How come I can't, um, I can't do things as well as other people, you know, like some, somebody might be running a a really successful company and I might want to do that, but I'm not like that person. How do I, how do I get to be like them? So for me, what I'd like to solve for people is to help them understand they don't need to be like somebody else. They just need to be more of themselves. And so helping them to understand what their their superpowers are through their strengths and helping to unlock that and understand that they've got everything that they need to be whatever they need to be. They just need to learn to harness that and to develop that to a point where they really, really are superpowers. And they can achieve anything that they want. They just do it a different way than, some, than somebody else. You know, like Richard Branson, um, he, he outsources everything that he doesn't do well to the people that do and the things that he does do well he does excellently so that's why he's seen the success that he has and we can all do the same thing in whatever area of life that we choose it's just helping us to understand that we do it differently to everybody else because we are all unique and so that's what I'd love to help solve. <laughs>
0: We're both in the transformational personal <laughs> development
2: industry it's very obvious Kate and Sam, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you today and, and getting getting an insight into your life and how it's evolved over time and from adversity became opportunity, from understanding the importance of influence and, and people needing to be able to use their voice to tell their story and be comfortable in their story. I love the way that you connect with each other on very different strengths and how you utilize that to help galvanize people and bring them alive, I suppose. And you know, obviously you had a great example about the person there that had depression, been able to see how they evolved when they finally had clarity Mm. on what their purpose was or what they were really good at. Um, So I I really thank you for the time and I know the best is yet to come. Hey, hey. (laughs) So thank you very much. thanks Thanks for having us. Thank you. Today's active CEO wellness tip is fear less. 80% of what we worry about never comes true. The negative stories and ideas that ruminate in our heads are usually not based on fact, but fiction. If you have a concern, front up and ask a question to the person or people involved, or do your research to find evidence which proves if it is either right or wrong, or both. You have a choice to focus on what you will become true, not what negatives could become true. Fear less. There was a highly energizing interview with Kate and Sam Cawthorn from the Speakers Institute. What a phenomenal, phenomenal couple, both Kate and Sam are. They have been from an amazing life through adversity to building incredible opportunities for people to shape their lives and their careers and their story through the power of influence. I really was fascinating about kind of the yin and yang aspect of it where their strengths were both very, very different, but complemented each other in such a beautiful manner. They had the ability to support each other within their strengths and outside their strengths to ensure that each of them can really thrive in the environment. Having, going through that really, really tough, adverse environment of having a car crash where you were pronounced dead and then obviously go through a very traumatic period for both Sam and especially the family on that road to recovery. It didn't let his energy and his passion die. He brought out the music within him and ensured that he understood his why and his passion. And that speaking career was trying to get underway before the diversity hit. He really harnessed that and he actually had a story to tell where he could really drive that inner inner self of him. And that passion, that belief, that story, that humility, that real connection to what he was trying to transform the world with as part of his story moving forward. They talk about how their organization works, both from a Speakers Institute point of view and the not-for-profit speakers tribe. I love the way that they connect their whole team and empower them and ensure that everyone feels great, uh, feels part of that greater purpose of the organization. They're there to find the people's voice and ensure that they understand they have a story that's worth sharing. very, very powerful. What a wonderful gift that both Kate and Sam Cawthorn are providing to the people around the world. If you really enjoyed this story, then please feel free to share it out on your social media platforms and write a review on iTunes. This is the Active CEO podcast where the ordinary don't belong.
1: Join the active CEO movement by visiting www.nrgtoperform.com. That's nrg2perform.com. Share this podcast on LinkedIn and be sure to tag in nrg to perform Leave a review on iTunes, drop us a line with your feedback and questions, and connect with us on the nrg to perform Facebook and Instagram pages. Be sure to check out the next Active CEO podcast where the ordinary don't belong.